Moving to enhanced hybrid risk management framework is providing Freddie Mac with flexibility as it adopts cloud-based managed services. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss that, I'm pleased to be joined once again by Patricia Titus, Chief Information Security Officer for Freddie Mac. Thanks for joining me, Patty. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Okay, tell us a little bit about this enhanced hybrid risk management framework. What is enhanced hybrid, and how does that help you? Most organizations are struggling with the different compliance standards and frameworks that they can use. ISO puts out a great one. That's the Information Standards Organization, and that's usually the one that most private sector companies have been defaulting to when it comes to ensuring that they are at least following a best practices risk management framework. As you know, I'm former government, and in the government, we followed the NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology Risk Management Framework. Probably because I have both government and private sector backgrounds now, what I've found is that by using a blended risk management framework, we can actually get the best of all the worlds. We also have SOX compliance, which we have to fall under because we're a financial services organization, that's Sarbanes-Oxley. Being able to meet all of them with the challenges of adapting those frameworks to be flexible enough to move to cloud-based service offerings or mobility or some of the newer capabilities that the business needs means that we need to look at our risk management framework differently. By blending the different standards into a risk management framework that allows selectability to the framework, So I select the security controls based on the needs of what I'm attempting to do. And let me give you a little bit of example of that. That'd be great. I'd like to have maybe developers being able to use cloud-based services because they can spin up or turn on a development environment very quickly. And they can use that environment for what they need to, and then they can go off of that cloud-based service and shut it down. And so the benefit of that is an on-demand type of service. The challenge that security officers have traditionally were concerned about what's happening in that cloud. What are the right levels of security? Can anyone else see what is happening with my developers? I don't want someone gaining access to my intellectual property. Being able to use this hybrid framework to select the right level of controls and help guide the developers in what can and should be happening in the cloud versus what shouldn't be happening in the cloud. In other words, you don't want your production data put into that development environment. The frameworks allow us to adapt more quickly and more flexibly into these types of services that will help us innovate quickly and enhance the user experience and our customer base, the business, to ensure that they're getting what they need and that we're applying the right level of security controls without overburdening this cloud-based offering with hundreds of security controls when, in fact, I may only need a handful. What is the process of determining what controls, perhaps from ISO or from NIST, that, that you choose? ISO and NIST have a nice forward-backward mapping. If you go into the very back of the NIST standards, they've mapped the security controls. I think the most important part when you're looking at what's the right level of controls for a given environment is if I'm going to be doing development work, there's very little intellectual property, there's no production data, 
what are the key control families that I need to apply to that environment and what's the necessary rigor. So if I'm moving to a full-blown cloud-based application like an HR system similar to Workday, I'm going to want to make sure there's the right level of security controls in that offering versus what I would do in a non-production development type environment. It allows me to apply the right level of controls based on the control families and then what are the key controls I need based on the risk of that particular environment. What kind of knowledge do you need on your staff to be able to identify where these controls are and when to apply them? That's a really great question, Eric. Thanks. That actually is an area that we're looking at enhancing, and that is giving our employees more training on the standards themselves. Once my staff has a good handle on what are the control families and how do they adopt themselves or adapt themselves to these environments, so we're spending some time and effort to educate on the different standards and controls so that my staff, as they go through the security life cycle, of our services, any type of the offerings that we have here within Freddie Mac, from standing up a new application to supporting infrastructure operations, what are the right level of security controls that should be selected for those environments. We are just in a proof of concept stage right now where we're looking at this new hybrid risk management framework and my team is learning as we go about the new standards. It's been a great opportunity for them to expand their wings a bit and learn more about what's happening in the private sector and other organizations as well as bringing in some of the pieces of how the federal government manages their risk. Is there a specific employee that you charge to oversee this? Yes, it's actually in my governance, risk, and compliance organization. When I look at the life cycle of security, it starts at the foundational pieces. And the foundational pieces are my standards and my policies, which are how I build my security organization. The standards and policy group looks at the control framework and makes sure that our baseline security configurations and our standards are aligned with the security controls. That in turn means that they also need to understand the different data types that Freddie Mac houses. Obviously, we house an awful lot of loan data from mortgage applications, so there's a significant amount of personally identified information. Understanding the other types of information that Freddie Mac handles, financial data, and our own intellectual property from our modeling and our securities organization. Once we understand the data types and we figure out where it fits on the criticality model for risk, that helps us determine the level of controls we need to apply to the specific applications that process that data. It starts at governance, it moves to risk management, and the risks that are found are managed through the compliance framework. It's actually a great holistic program. We're getting great feedback from the business, so we're excited about it. When you're talking about balancing the need of security controls and compliance, how does that relate to areas such as mobility, bring your own device? Business enablement has been a difficult process for a lot of 
security organizations. We used to have the title of the Office of No. When I was in the high-tech field, we were the Sales Prevention Office. So we've had a lot of labels along the way. What this new framework allows you to do is answer your compliance standards, answer your compliance requirements, and then balance that against the business enablement tools. We need more capabilities in the hands of our employees in a more on-demand type fashion. How can we give them the ability to be more mobile and to have the business enablement tools that they need and apply the right level of security controls? And the nice thing about this hybrid framework is it allows us to have repeatable, defendable processes as to why we allow certain things. I can have certain access to data on a specific device, but I can't maybe have the keys to the kingdom, right? If I'm on my own personal device, I may not be allowed to go into a financial application related to a specific security function that we have to do monthly which is highly regulated, but I could do other things, like I could perform HR tasks, I could answer a purchase or requisition, I can file my timesheet, I can get to my email. So there's all kinds of opportunity to allow enablement capabilities and still maintain the protection of the critical data with the appropriate level control. We're also moving into virtualized desktop instances. So we're moving into that virtualized environment with our users as our data center is fully virtualized. Another great opportunity. Keep the data in the data center. One criticism you often hear is that security prevents businesses from achieving their business goals. I'm gathering by using this hybrid approach, you're thinking you're, you're, you're lessening that kind of problem that organizations face. I am. The reason why this is going to work so well is we've adopted the continuous monitoring component of it. Once the systems are under a specific level of maturity in the security lifecycle framework, it goes into a continuous monitoring phase where we can ensure that the controls we've selected are in fact adequately protecting the information. And in those instances, we can also look at relaxing some of the security controls that may not be necessary through this continuous monitoring capability. Security professionals, as you know, Eric, we like to pour on as much security as possible up front and then take it away as we go. This framework allows us to do more level setting up front and then actually have auditable information that can show why we relaxed certain security controls. They may have ended up being unnecessary based on the people that are accessing it, the type of data it is. I think it just gives gives us a more holistic view of risk management instead of having to look at every single snippet of data and apply a snippet of control upon it. By having a continuous look at the operation, you can see that certain controls may not be necessary and therefore the limits that maybe people who use the system face as they try to do their jobs. That's exactly right. It also gives us an area where we can optimize security controls. I could actually now start to help our IT organization segment data types that are similar with the security controls into segments in the network, which then eliminates unnecessary security controls across the entire enterprise and focuses it 
only on those areas where we need the heightened security controls, allowing us to relax the controls in the other areas where it's less critical data and it doesn't need as much security control. It's helping us apply the right level at the right point in time in order to enable the business. It's not 100% exact science, I have to admit, but this is going to be something that we're going to mature as we mature our security posture here at Freddie Mac. How do you test this to make sure it works as you suspect it does? Well, so that's what we use our own internal penetration testing team and assessment teams to do, is to continually look at those controls and poke at them, I guess is a good way to put it. We will be doing penetration testing throughout the year. And then the other portion of it is is our internal audit team is ensuring that they're coming in and having another look as well. So it's a partnership between our operational risk management, our internal audit, the information security team. Does this require a big upfront cost, which has a great payback? There will be some cost of getting the systems under a certain level of security artifact documentation. That's correct. But it becomes its own self-sustaining framework over time. There is the upfront cost to apply the security controls and assess where you're at for each application or system. Once you get things completed, then there's an ongoing sustainability of ensuring that that you're looking at retirement of applications, you're looking at end-of-life equipment, and those are all part of the program. So you can stop monitoring things that are, are going out of service and focus on the newer things coming in. Anything else you'd like to address? You know, Eric, it's kind of my platform, so I'd just like to end with making sure that our organizations, while we look at these new technologies, that we don't take our eye off the basic cybersecurity hygiene, that over 80% of the attacks that are successful exploit things that are unpatched or not properly secured in the first place. So we have good frameworks that hopefully people are adopting. Keep up the basic cybersecurity hygiene, I guess, is my ending message. Thanks, Patty. Thank you, Eric. I've been speaking with Patricia Titus of Freddie Mac for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.